suffer. They will suffer much less. The art of suffering. You have heard about the art of happiness, but many of us have not heard about the art of suffering. But there is an art. We can learn how to suffer, how to handle the suffering inside of us, how to handle the suffering in the person we love, and how to handle the suffering in the world. And that is an art to be learned. If we know how to suffer, we suffer much less, and we can make good use of the suffering. Yes. It's like um, an organic gardener. She knows that uh, the garbage produced by the garden can be useful. So she does not uh, throw away the garbage. She keeps the garbage and transforms the garbage into compost in order to nourish flowers, vegetables. And practitioners of meditation, they do very much the same. They know that uh, suffering plays an important role in making happiness. That is why they are not trying to run away from suffering. They learn to understand suffering. They learn how to suffer in such a way they suffer that they suffer much less, and they can also make good use of suffering in order to create happiness. Understanding suffering is very important. We know that suffering is there (coughs) inside of us, in the other person, and in the world. And in order to understand suffering, we have to look at it. We have to get in touch. And there is a way. There is a way to get in touch with the suffering without being overwhelmed by it. And we, we can learn. Uh, that practice is called mindfulness of suffering. Suffering is a kind of energy. And the energy of suffering is negative. It may destroy, it may ruin our body and our spirit. (coughs) But uh, we should use uh, another kind of of, of energy in order to take care of the energy of suffering. And that energy is called the energy of mindfulness. Mindfulness is uh, the kind of energy that helps us to know what is going on. And this is the heart of Buddhist meditation, mindfulness. When you breathe in, And if you are aware that you are breathing in, that is called mindfulness of breathing. You breathe mindfully. 
there are many people who breathe not mindfully. Most of people do not breathe mindfully. Only practitioners of Buddhist meditation they know they know how to enjoy uh, breathing in and breathing out in mindfulness. So mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. And in this case, that is mindfulness of uh, breathing. When you walk, if you are aware of every step you make, if you enjoy Every step, if you walk mindfully, that is called mindfulness of walking. And it's very nourishing, very healing. And many of us do not know how to do it. We are not aware of our steps. We do not enjoy our steps. We walk in order to arrive. We hurry in order to arrive. And we do not have a chance to enjoy uh, touching the earth with our feet to nourish us and to heal us. So practitioners of meditation know how to walk in order to get the healing and the nourishment from their walking. And that is called mindfulness of walking. And when you drink your tea, and if uh, your mind is there with the tea, if you are aware that you are drinking your tea, that you enjoy drinking your tea, that is called mindfulness of drinking. And when you when you take a shower, and if you know that you are taking a shower, and that you enjoy uh, taking the shower, that is. Mindfulness of taking a shower. So when you drive your car, and if you are mindful, you are aware of your driving, and you feel the pleasure of driving, and then that is mindfulness of driving. So when a painful feeling arises in you, a painful emotion arises in you. As a practitioner, you know how to be mindful of it. You practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, so that you have the energy of mindfulness. And with that energy of mindfulness, you recognize the pain, the painful feeling, the painful emotion in you. And you take care of it. That is called mindfulness of suffering. And the energy of suffering being taken care of by the energy of mindfulness will make you suffer less. If you know how to breathe in and out, if you know how to walk mindfully and embrace and hold your feeling of pain, your emotion of pain, and then you suffer less. And you may be able to transform the pain, the suffering, into something else. 
like joy and happiness. It's like we transform the mud into a lotus flower. This is possible. And that can be done quickly also. When you go home to yourself and get in touch with the suffering inside, that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of fear, anger, despair, and if you go back to yourself with the energy of mindfulness, you are not afraid anymore. Not afraid of being overwhelmed because you have the energy of mindfulness. That is the energy of the Buddha generated by your practice of breathing or walking. So you go back to yourself, recognize the suffering inside of you and hold it tenderly like a mother holding her baby. And you suffer less. And you can trans- begin to transform the suffering in you. And while holding your, su- your suffering, you may find out the roots, the nature, the cause of your suffering. <clears throat> and you come to understand your suffering. Many of us suffer, but do not know why we suffer like that. We do not understand our suffering. In Buddhism, we speak of the first noble truth, which is suffering, and the second noble truth is understanding suffering. Suffering is there, and we have to look deeply into suffering in order to understand suffering. And when you recognize suffering, when you understand suffering, understanding arise, arises. Understanding here is understanding suffering. And understanding suffering helps uh, the energy of compassion, loving kindness to, to be born. And the energy of loving kindness, the energy of uh, of compassion has the power to heal and to transform. Suppose you look into the other person. The other person may be your son, your daughter, your father, your mother, your partner. And if you look deeply enough with mindfulness, you can recognize the suffering in him or in her. And if you continue you can see why that person suffer like that. You have understood his suffering. You have understood her suffering. And when you have understood their suffering, you are not angry at him or her anymore. Because understanding suffering always brings compassion. And when you understand the suffering in him or in her, not only you don't want to punish him or her anymore. Not only you are not angry at him or her anymore, but you, you want to do something, to say something in order to help that person suffer less. And that means that the energy of compassion has been born in you just by looking at suffering 
and try to understand the suffering inside of him or her, help compassion to arise. And when compassion is there, it begins to heal you and heal the other person. And this is a very obvious. When you see the suffering in the other person, when you understand the suffering in him or in her, you do not uh, want to punish anymore. You are not angry anymore. You want to help. So the same thing is true with yourself. When you go back to yourself and recognize the suffering inside and understand the suffering inside of you, compassion arises. And you accept yourself as you are. You are not angry at yourself anymore. And you want to do something in order to help yourself, to help you suffer less. And that is the practice of mindfulness of suffering. There is suffering as an energy, but there is mindfulness as another source of energy. And the second source of energy is recognizing, embracing the first source of energy. So the monks and the nuns this morning will practice chanting. And why they practice chanting the name of Bodhisattva, of the Bodhisattva of deep listening, the Bodhisattva of great compassion, they try to go back to themselves and get in touch with the suffering inside of them. And with the purpose of helping the energy of compassion to arise. And that is a very logical, scientific when you understand suffering, compassion always arises and begins to heal and transform. The suffering in us carries within itself the suffering of our Father. Yes, our Father may have suffered a lot, but He, he may not be able to transform His suffering. That is why he has transmitted the suffering in him to you. And that is why sometimes you suffer and you don't know why. Your suffering is also the suffering of your father. So your suffering carries within itself the suffering of your father, of your mother, of your ancestors. And understanding our suffering, we can understand at the same time the suffering of our father, our mother, and our ancestors. And if we understand the suffering inside of us, we have compassion that can heal and transform. And the suffering in us also reflects the suffering of our society, of our planet. The individual consciousness reflects the collective consciousness, the suffering of the world. So when the monastic sent the name of Avalokiteshvara for the second time, they tried to reach out to the people around them. In front of them, on the left, on the right, and become aware of suffering in the people, in these people. And the purpose is the same getting in touch with suffering in order to give compassion 
a chance to to arise. And when they chant for the third time, they reach out to the world. Violence, hate, anger, despair is everywhere. And if they can get in touch, the energy of compassion in them continue to develop. And they know that if uh, the energy of compassion is in you, the healing is taking place. The transformation is taking place. So the purpose of chanting is not to pray to a supernatural power to help you. It's not exactly like It is to generate the energy of mindfulness, mindfulness of suffering. To generate the energy of understanding, understanding suffering. In order for the energy of compassion to be born and to heal us and heal the other person and heal the world. So this is uh, not exactly a prayer. This is a practice of mindfulness. And when we do that together, a very powerful collective energy of mindfulness and compassion will be created by, by, the, whole, by, by the whole group. And that will help uh, heal everyone and transform everyone. And that is why, why we, we listen to the chanting. We can follow our in-breath and out-breath. We, we allow ourselves to get in touch with the suffering inside of us. And we hold the suffering inside of us like a mother holding her baby. And this is easy to do, easy enough to do. Because there is the collective energy of mindfulness generated by the chanting of the Sangha. And if we allow, if we allow that collective energy to penetrate into our body and heart, and then it's very easy for us to recognize the suffering inside and to embrace it. Alone, you can do it, but not as easy as when you are embraced by the energy of the Sangha. There is uh, tension and pain in our body. If we allowed our body to relax so that the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion generated by the chanting to penetrate into our body, and then we can release easily the tension in our body. And we feel much better after a few minutes of listening. And when the, when the tension in the body is released, the amount of pain in our body will be reduced. And if you have uh, some fear, some anger, some despair in our heart, we may like to open our heart and allow the collective energy of the Sangha to penetrate and help embrace them. 
if we are a beginner in the practice, our mindfulness is not strong enough in order to embrace our pain. So we can borrow. We can make good use of the collective energy of mindfulness generated by the sangha in order to recognize and embrace that pain, that sorrow, that fear, that anger in us. We do like a drop of water in the heart of a river. The drop of water allowed herself to be embraced and transported by the whole river. So you sit in the Sangha and you say, My dear Sangha, my dear river, this is my pain, this is my sorrow, this is my despair, please help embrace it with me. You surrender to the Sangha. You surrender to the collective energy of the Sangha. And if you can do that, you get a relief after a few minutes of practice. Right here and right now. Allow yourself to be embraced by the collective energy of Sangha, the energy of mindfulness and compassion. And you feel better. And if we have someone in the family who is very sick, who suffered very much at this time, who cannot come to the retreat, we can very well channel this energy to him or to her at home by just thinking of that person or calling his or her name silently. And then at home she will profit from this energy also. The practice is uh, simple enough. Just allow ourselves to be in the here and the now. Allow ourselves to be embraced by the Sangha, by the collective energy of Sangha, like a drop of water in the river. Just uh, focus your attention on your in-breath and out-breath and the chanting. And you'll be able to stop the thinking because the thinking might take us away from the here and the now. Not thinking, no thinking, just breathing in and out, relax, relaxing, and allow the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion to penetrate into our body, into our heart. The same thing will last about 15, 18 minutes. And this is a good practice for healing and transformation. And the monastic will share the name of uh, Bodhisattva Avelokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of uh, great compassion, uh, the Bodhisattva of deep listening, because uh, he is known to be a person who has the capacity to listen to the suffering inside of him and around him. So let us uh, sit uh, relaxingly like this and allow ourselves to be embraced by the Sangha and get the healing and transformation. We practice mindfulness of suffering, mindfulness of uh, compassion 
ไม่พิทัย Sitting like this, uh, very relaxingly, and I do not need to make any effort. I just enjoy sitting like this and allow my body to relax and release the tension. This is a, a happy moment because we are together and having a chance to practice together.
thầy nào chăm sóc các em đôn nghiêm the children will follow sister tôn nghiêm to go out and practice outside tới đây con đôn nghiêm and tăng chùa xưa the children follow this nun and practice outside these two nuns lý giang phong 
Vous pouvez sortir avec les deux mondiales. Please stand up. I'm breathing in. Breathing in. I breathe out. Respire. Respire. Enjoy. Breathing in, breathing out. Respire. Respire. I breathe in and I go up on my toes. In my toes, my heels together. I go down, smiling, breathing out. In, out. Try a few more times. In. Oh. In. 
Très bien. J'inspire, j'expire. cho nó mát chút mở thêm cửa Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 8th of July, 2013, and we are in the still water meditation hall of the Upper Hamlet Plum Village during our summer opening. Welcome to the first week of uh, our summer opening. As uh, meditation practitioners, we should know how to produce, uh, to generate energy of peace and happiness. Peace, joy, and happiness. And we can do that while breathing, walking, sitting, drinking, eating. And we have to, to train ourselves in order to do it well. Because uh, peace is possible. Joy is possible. And happiness is possible.
and the energy of mindfulness uh, make it uh, makes it uh, possible. When we hear the bell, whether this is uh, this uh, this bell or the hanging bell or the big bell, this is a kind of reminder. Uh, the sound of the bell reminds us to go home to ourselves. <clears throat> because in our daily life, uh, very often our body is there, but our mind is elsewhere. Our mind may be caught in the worries and fear about the future. Our mind may be caught in the regret and sorrow concerning the past. Our mind may be caught in our projects, our worries. And our mind is not with our body. And when body and mind are not together, we are not truly there. We are not alive. So the practice uh, is to bring our mind home to our body. And that is uh, possible uh, when we walk, when we sit, when we eat, when we take a shower, even when we drive. It needs only, we need only two or three seconds in order to bring our mind home to our body. Breathing in mindfully, I bring my mind home to my body. And I, I know that I have a body. It's nice to have a body. You may spend three hours with your computer and you forget entirely that you have a body. And during these three hours, you are not truly alive. Because your mind is separated from your body. You need your computer, of course. But you need also to go back to yourself and be alive. And that is why in Plum Ridge, our brothers and sisters, they program a bell of mindfulness in their computer. Every quarter of the hour, they hear the bell. And they stop working. And they go back to themselves by the way of mindful breathing and they enjoy breathing in and out and feel alive and get in touch with themselves and they get in touch with the wonders of life that are in themselves and around them. And this is a very important moment. If you like, you can download uh, the bell, uh, the sound of the bell from our website and go back to your body, you go back to just yourself every 15 minutes. The bell of mindfulness, whether this is, uh, whether it is the small bell or a big bell, that is to help us to bring our mind home to our body. And when mind and body are together, we are truly in the here and the now. 
we establish ourselves in the present moment. And that is very important because only in the present moment that we can get in touch with the wonders of life that are in here and around. And we can get in touch with the refreshing and healing and nourishing elements in us and around us. And that is why to go home to ourselves is very important. And that is why in Plum Village, every time you hear the bell, you see that everyone stops talking. If you are busy talking, you do not enjoy your in-breath and out-breath. You do not enjoy your being fully in the present moment. And not only we stop our talking, but we stop our thinking. Because thinking takes us away from the here and the now. I think, therefore I am not there. <coughs> this is different from Descartes. I think my thinking takes me away from, from the here and the now. I am not truly there. And you enjoy breathing in deeply, breathing out deeply. You can enjoy also your in-breath and your out-breath. If you suffer when you breathe in, that is not good practice. If you enjoy your in-breath, that is good practice. Your your in-breath will be healing and nourishing. We do not have to force our, our, ourselves to breathe in because you are breathing in and out all the time. Anyway, so the problem is to focus our attention on our in-breath only. Breathing in, why breathing in? I know I am breathing in. And in no time at all, you go home to your body. And there you are, well established in the here and the now. And the teaching of the Buddha is very clear. The past is already gone. And the future is not yet there. There is only one moment when you can be truly alive. And that is the present moment. Everything that is nourishing and healing is available only in the present moment. That is why we always go home to the present moment. And that is possible with the practice of mindful breathing. And it needs two, three seconds to bring your mind home to your body. You are truly alive when your body is with your mind. When you are truly present, if mind and body are together. And that does not need the hard work. Just enjoy breathing in. And, um, and when you hear the bell, you are reminded to do so, to enjoy your in-breath and go home to the present moment. 
And if you have to say something, you do it after three in-breath and out-breath. And that is what we practice here in Plum Village. When you hear the bell, whether it is a small bell or big bell, we stop talking, we stop thinking, and we may stop doing things if it's not urgent. And enjoy our in-breath and out-breath. And if 1,000 people do that together, at the same time, we create a very powerful collective energy of mindfulness. And that is very nourishing and healing. And every one of us can profit from it. And each one of us can contribute to the healing and the transformation of the whole community by just practicing uh, mindful breathing. And we participate in making that kind of collective energy of mindfulness. And when we work together, the same, the same kind of energy is uh, produced. Walking meditation is a pleasure. You don't have to force yourself to walk. You walk anyway in your daily life. The practice is just to focus your attention on your steps. Instead of thinking of this or that, you are aware of the contact between your foot and the ground. You are touching the earth. You are touching Mother Earth with every step. And if you pay attention to the contact between your foot and the ground below and enjoy it, and that is very healing. Go back to Mother Earth and get the healing with every step. And naturally you stop the thinking. And that is why during walking we do not talk. We do not think. And every step can be nourishing and healing. In Plum Village, every day we have a session of walking meditation together. The whole Sangha practice walking. And the practice is to enjoy every step. You walk in such a way that every step is nourishing and healing. You stop the thinking, you stop the talking. And the collective energy of mindfulness generated by the walk is very powerful. It heals, it helps heal everyone. But not only we do that during the time of walking meditation, but we do it all day long. Every time you need to move from one place to another, you apply the techniques of walking meditation. From your room, from your living quarter, from your tent, to the meditation hall, you enjoy every step. Take your time and enjoy every step. 
stop the thinking, stop the talking, and touch the earth with your feet. And if you enjoy every step, your practice is good. I have arrived. I'm home. You have arrived in the here and the now. That is your true home. Your true home. The address of your true home is here and now. So you arrive, you go home with every step. Because only in the here and the now that you can encounter the wonders of life, life itself. Life is calling you. You have to go home to her with every step. And you can coordinate your breath with your steps. In Plum Village, you may like to do like this, breathing in, you make uh, three steps or two, and you say, I have arrived. Arrived. And that is not a statement. That is a realization. You have to arrive with every step. And that is possible with the energy of mindfulness. Stop the thinking. Focus your attention on your foot. Touch the ground mindfully. Enjoy arriving. Enjoy touching Mother Earth and get the healing, get the transformation. I have arrived. It means I am not running anymore. I have been running all my life. And I have arrived nowhere. Now, I want to stop. My destination is the here and the now. And I can arrive with every step. And when you walk like that, the kingdom of God becomes available to you. This, the kingdom of God to me, is available in the here and the now. If you have mindfulness in your step, the kingdom is yours. The pure land of the Buddha is here and now. You do not need to die in order to go to the kingdom of God. It might be too late. It's not difficult to go to the kingdom of God. Just one step in mindfulness. One step in mindfulness. Bring your mind back to your body. You are fully alive. You are fully present in the here and the now. And only one step helps you enter the kingdom. And as a practitioner, you can enjoy the kingdom every day. From the parking lot, walking to your workplace, you can walk like that. We train ourselves to walk like that. We bring our kingdom 
with us. And that is the, the, the way I walk every day. I never leave the kingdom because uh, every step is very nourishing and healing. And that is the only uh, style of walking in Plum Village. And when we walk together like that, many hundreds of people, hundreds of people, and then the collective energy is very powerful. It has transformed everyone. And we feel very clearly that the kingdom is there. Even this morning. This morning after the talk, we will be walking together. And we will make the kingdom of God available. And you will feel it with the help of the Sangha. Because when we walk together, producing the energy of mindfulness, going home to the here and the now, we feel the kingdom under our feet and around us. I have found out that the kingdom of of heaven is here on earth. And I tell, I told my, I have told my friends, the kingdom is now or never. The kingdom is available. The problem remains as whether you are available to the kingdom. You make yourself available to the kingdom by the way you breathe and you walk. Be alive. Be fully present. And then the kingdom will be yours. And when you walk together with the Sangha, this is easy. This is easy. Because the collective energy helps you to be mindful, to enjoy. I have arrived. I am home. So you might begin to, uh, to use the first line of the gata. I have arrived. I have arrived. And you practically arrive with every moment, with every step, in the here and the now, in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. I have arrived. I have arrived. I have arrived. And if you feel the pleasure of breathing in and of making steps, you know that your practice is correct. You don't have to ask a Buddha or a teacher because you know that every step brings you joy, happiness. Every step brings you the here and the now. Every step brings you the kingdom. You know. And you don't have to suffer to make any effort. Effortless. And when you breathe out, you may make four or five steps because our, our breath is always a little bit longer than our in-breath. So if, uh, if uh, you make two steps while breathing in, 
And then you might like to make three steps while breathing out. I have arrived, arrived, I'm home, home, home. And as I said, this is not a statement. This is a realization. You have to really, to, 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 to feel that you are home. You do not run anymore. You have arrived. This is your home, the here and the now. To me, the address of the kingdom of God is here and now. The address of uh, heaven, Nirvana. If you want to meet the Buddha, if you want to meet Jesus, here and now is the address. You know the address. So you enjoy the two steps while you're breathing in. I have arrived. I have arrived. I'm a free person. Because when you arrive in the here and the now, you are a free person. You are free from the past, from the, from the regret and the sorrow concerning the past. Many of us are prisoners of the past. You always go back to the past and continue to suffer. In the past, you may have been abused by someone, by adult, and you carry that kind of uh, wound in us. We tend to always go back and suffer and suffer and suffer again and again. The past is a prison. But this is the key, unlock the door of the prison. You go back, you go, you leave the past, and you go to the present moment. You breathe in, you bring your mind home to your body, and you make a step, and you arrive in the here and the now. There is uh, the sunshine, the beautiful uh, trees, the songs of the birds, in nature is uh, making a festival and you are free from the past. And if uh, you see that uh, your partner, your friend is still caught in the prison of the past, help bring her out of the prison of the past and tell her that here life is so beautiful nourishing and healing and you help him or her with uh, the practice of uh, mindful breathing and walking so that she can liberate herself from the prison of the past and there are those of us who, who, who are prisoners of the future we don't know what will happen to us in the future we worry so much we are fearful of the future and the future becomes a prison but we know very well that the future is made only of one uh, substance, that is the present. What else can the future be made of? Only the present. And if you know how to handle the present, to take care of the present moment the best we can, that's about everything you can do in order to assure 
as a good future. We build the future by taking care of the present moment. And taking care of the present moment includes mindful breathing, enjoying your in-breath, out-breath, generating the energy of peace and joy and happiness and compassion. And we enjoy these uh, energies in the present moment and uh, we enjoy the future that will be made of the present moment. So I have arrived I have arrived Two steps are nourishing and healing. Two steps are helping you to stop running and to enjoy the kingdom of God, the pure land of the Buddha. And when you breathe out, you enjoy three steps. I am home. I am home. I am home. My home is in the here and the now. And the address of my home is here and now. The address of life the address of God, of Nirvana, is also here and now. Very simple. Two steps and three steps. But sometimes we feel that uh, we'd be happier when we, we make three steps while breathing in. So allow ourselves to make three steps while breathing in. You have to listen to your lungs. If your lungs say that, well, I'll be happier if you make uh, three steps while breathing in, and then you, you make three steps. Of course, when we are climbing a hill, the number of steps will be reduced. Naturally. And your lungs will tell you how many steps they want you to make while breathing in. And then... If you know the number of steps while you breathe in, and you know how many steps you make out when you breathe out. If here is two, here is about three. And if you make a three steps while breathing in, and the usual number of steps when you breathe out is five. And you do not have to make an effort, and you enjoy every step, whether it is three, or five. The problem is that you should enjoy every step. Every step should be nourishing and healing. And we have to train ourselves. And we don't have to, to suffer or to make any effort. There are times when you, you make four steps while breathing in. And of course, uh, when you breathe out, you, you need something like six, six steps. Uh, why walking meditation? I usually do this, except when I climb, and then I I do this. And when it's very steep, uh, it can be one, two, or one, even one, three. So we have to adapt. The problem is that is. Uh, we should make every step 
pleasant. <coughs> I have arrived. I have arrived. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. And that is the first sentence, the first line of the poem. The second line is in the here and in the now. It's the same. Here, here, you touch the here, and then when you breathe out, now, now, now. You arrive in the here and you arrive in the now. Words are different, but the content is the same. I have arrived, I'm home, in the here and in the I am solid, I am free. That's the third line. I am solid, why? Because I am firmly established in the here and the now. The past and the future cannot uh, pull me away anymore. So solidity is uh, the nature of your steps. Every step is solid. You are firmly established in the here and the now. The past and the future can no longer pull you away. You walk as a free person. This is not political freedom. It's freedom from the past and from the future and from your projects. I am solid. I am free. If you are solid, you are free at the same time. So solidity and freedom are the <coughs> foundation of happiness. If you are not solid, if you are not stable, and if you are not free, happiness is not possible. So every step is to cultivate more solidity and freedom. I am solid. I am free. This is not auto-suggestion, wishful thinking. This is a realization because you know that if you are well established in the here and the now, every step is solid. Every step is free. And that is healing and transforming. So not only we practice uh, mindful walking with a group of people together every day, but during the whole day, whenever we need to go to move from one place to another place, even a short distance of four or five steps, you apply the techniques of uh, walking meditation. If I want to go there and raise something, I need only three steps before. One, two, three, four. And I walk in such a way that during these four, four steps, the kingdom of God is available. And this is possible with some training. 
So from the parking lot, you walk to your office, and every step can offer you the kingdom of God. With some training, we'll be able to do so. Last month, we had a retreat in Hong Kong. And 1,200 people came for the retreat. Most people in Hong Kong, they do not drive to their workplace. They take the train or the bus. So I advise them, I advise them, I advise them to, from their home, walking to the bus station or to the train station, in the morning, they always apply the techniques of mindful walking. I told them like this. This is uh, on the fourth day of our retreat. <clears throat> I told them that um, when I was a young teacher, I did not want to accept the disciples, ordained monks and nuns and lay practitioners. I said that uh, I was, uh, it's, it's good enough for me to teach the students of other teachers. I don't need to have my own disciples. But when I came to America, I came to the West, that is, uh, that was in 1966, to call for a cessation of the bombing in Vietnam. I was uh, not allowed to go home, and I had to spend 40 years in exile just because calling for peace. And I left my sangha behind. In order to survive here as a practitioner, I began to build a Sangha in the West. And I organized sitting, walking. But still I did not accept the disciples. But I found out later on that if there is no teacher-student relationship, and then people can abandon the practice after a few months, even if they are very happy during the retreat, they can keep the practice for a few months and then they will lose the practice. So that is why I begin to change my, my idea that if there is no teacher-student relationship, uh, uh, you cannot maintain your practice for a long time. So I begin to accept ordaining monks and nuns and lay people. <clears throat> and between the teacher and the students, there must be a, a connection. And I told them that you don't need a telephone in order to be in touch with me, because in the last 40 years, I have not used the telephone. And yet I have not I have not been cut off from the young 
the younger generation of the in the practice. <coughs> Communication is still going on very, very well between me and the young generation of practitioners, and we don't need to talk over telephone. But if you walk from your home to the train station in mindfulness, and your every step, you are connecting with Thay, with every step, and you can get his uh, energy while you walk like that. So we are in commun- communion all the time. If you practice mindful breathing, mindful walking like that, you are in permanent uh, contact, communion with your teacher. And I ask, I ask the 1,200 people in the retreat, who among you would like to commit yourself to this practice, walking from your home to the bus station, to the train station, in that way? You don't need a telephone, and yet you can keep in touch with her with every step. And everyone raises their hand. And now they are doing that. I think 1,200 people in Hong Kong every morning leaving home to the bus and train station, they walk, they practice walking meditation. That's the best way to, to get in touch with their teacher. They don't need a telephone. They don't need an email address. They have the address here and now. We talk uh, a lot with our telephone, but that does not mean that we have a good communication with the other person. So getting in touch with the Buddha, getting in touch with Jesus Christ, getting in touch with the kingdom, getting in touch with your teacher and your sangha, you don't really need a telephone. You don't really need an email address. You need the practice of mindful breathing and mindful walking. And every time you do that, you feel the connection. You feel that you can get the energy from the Buddha, from the Sangha, from your teacher. And this is uh, not difficult. I have uh, arrived. I am home. In the here, in the now. I am solid. I am free. In the ultimate ideal, in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of Buddha, Buddha, I walk. It's the same. It's very simple. And it has been made into a song. And uh, if you practice a few days, the practice of mindful walking, you you see a big change. We need some training in order to do so. And uh, while walking together, we generate the energy of uh, mindfulness and joy 
and that is very nourishing for all of us. So let us uh, make the commitment that uh, while we walk in the campus of the upper hamlet, yeah, of other hamlets, we follow our breathing, we enjoy every step, we do not talk and think. No thinking, please. No talking, please in order to enjoy. This is a very uh, uh, alive kind of uh, silence, noble silence. If you really need to tell, to, to say something, stop and tell it. And after you finish, you resume the walking. Enjoy every step. And if everyone during this retreat do like this, does like this, and then the collective energy of mindfulness and joy will be powerful. And everyone will profit. Every one of us has the power to contribute to the healing, to the transformation of the Sangha. Monks and nuns, they try their best Lay practitioners, they try their best, and together we produce that kind of energy <clears throat> that can be healing and uh, nourishing. And that's the best thing we get when we come to a retreat. Not Dhamma talks and uh, other things, but the collective energy of mindfulness. And this is a contribution of everyone. So when we hear the bell announcing walking meditation, we will gather around the bell tower and we begin walking together and make the kingdom of God available with every step. <laughs> 